Traveling the Vortex. We join the Valleyard as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 483, where we're free of that appalling dress sense. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. How are you? You always ask us how we doing. are. We never ask you how you're doing. How are you doing, I'm doing Keith? better. Our better? whole family came down with a stomach flu over the oh, weekend. Oh, no. So we spent most of yesterday still recovering, and today we're coming on the other side of it. I'm pretty much all better, except my stomach's still a little uneasy. Uh, Gemma is a lot better today, but still a little tired. Sarah is not as well as the rest of us, but she got hit with it last. And then Liam, I don't know what's going on with him. He was very fussy all day. I think he's done with the stomach flu and is now back to teething. Oh, no. Because <laughs> he was feeling fine yesterday. He's so. still got another year or so of that anyway. Yeah, he's got 10 teeth now. So. Does he? Wow. He'll be, won't be long until he's getting his two-year molars. Well, I'm glad everybody's feeling a little better now. Yeah. I We've... just uh, discovered her first loose tooth. Ooh. So that's a... A big deal in our household at the moment. <laughs> do you guys do anything fun? Oh, uh, other than install a new operating system on my computer and cross my fingers that everything was going to work tonight. No, other than that. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun either. No, it wasn't. It was kind of a mess, but everything worked out all right in the long run. I just didn't get my taxes done yet. <laughs> That's what started the whole ball rolling. We need to get our taxes submitted to make sure we get Liam on there so we can get the next round of stimulus for yeah him. there you go i didn't do anything i was just trying to think did i do anything fun this weekend i watched a really terrible super bowl but other than that <laughs> yeah and a very strange halftime performance yeah yeah which i mean i no, i know the artist i wasn't too surprised was very yeah i thought this was very technically proficient and you know i like his music all right that new song is still Still quite the earworm, but uh, I didn't know much about him. But watching this was kind of like, eh. <laughs> Just going to go in there with all those guys with the face bandages, huh? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, somewhere Stephen Moffat was all. watching, and he got real excited. He was like, Ooh. I read somewhere there was a, there's a reason behind that, but I didn't I didn't invest myself too much into finding out any more than that there was a reason behind it. Yeah, I don't remember now. I, I read that, and I don't remember now what it was. Must not have made too big an impression. I watched the game, but I did not watch the halftime show. But I think it's because I was. We were trying to get my parents. They brought their bit their TV from downstairs upstairs. I so said I went over to their house to watch the game with them, and they they brought their one TV up from downstairs, and they brought the sound bar up. But Dad couldn't remember how to hook the sound system up, so we watched the first half of the game without the sound system, and then. At halftime, I decided to hook the sound system up for him, so that took me the whole halftime, and so I missed the entire performance. <laughs> well, the nice thing about these days is it's on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. I Because I, we missed I, the halftime performance, too, because we went to bed. Uh, I doubt I'll go back and ever watch it, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, li- I like a few of his songs, but... I only know a couple of his songs. Yeah. I finished uh, Ready Player Two. Oh, yeah. You were oh, going to give us the full review this week. It's... Good. It's. I don't think it quite hits the heights of the first book for me, but I think it's a better character-driven story this time as opposed to a gimmick-driven story, which the last one arguably is a lot more of. Uh, and the gimmicks are still there, 
they just didn't hit the buttons for me like the gimmicks did the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a trade-off where the fun of, oh, yeah, I remember that and this and this and this isn't as prevalent in the second book. But the story, I think, overall is a better story. Oh, good. Like I, say, I give it a four and a half stars, but I can't do that on Goodreads. So. Yeah, I know. That's kind of frustrating because I think that sometimes I'll have those increments of, well, it's not quite a five, but it's not exactly a four. It's on my long list of things to get rid. Yeah. Eventually. Someday. <laughs> well, should we talk about the news? First up in news, uh, Candy Jar has a book coming out called Clack, the Doctor Who art of Chris Achelios, which I think we've mentioned were coming in the past, but now we have yeah. more details on it. Yeah, the book got delayed because of the pandemics, ba- pandemic, so we knew this was coming a while back. Um, it's a book that covers the official Target novelization covers uh, from the 1970s that Chris Achelios had uh, painted for Doctor Who, and it shows his style and things. And in fact, the new novelizations are using are emulating the artists that are doing those are emulating his work i i had originally thought maybe he was doing them uh but i went back and did some investigations and and it's the people taking um inspiration from his work but i think he's Mm -hmm. one of the most uh well-known and most well-regarded so candy guard candy jar has put together this book that uh features those covers and has uh some commentary i think the um uh intro to the book i think peter capaldi i think i saw has a small contribution and the foreword is by um Terrence Dick, the, ter- the late Terrence Dicks. Uh, it also features four brand new covers by Chris and contributions from John Colshaw, Gary Russell, Colin Howard, David Howe, Sean Russell, and lots of other fans. So, and the first, if you pre-ordered the book, I believe the first batch is out and coming. Uh, but because of the COVID nineteen restrictions and paper shortage and manpower issues, um, they were only able to do about 50% of the hard back copies. Uh, So those are out. And then uh, a second batch will be coming out, I think, in May. Yes, in May. So anybody that's waiting on those, they're on their way. And uh, anybody else that still wants one, you can still uh, order these. Looks to be a good book. Does look to be a good book. Freebies are gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I like the title. I love the title. Clack. You know where that comes from, don't you? It's familiar, but not exactly ringing a bell. If you could picture in your mind uh, Doctor Who and the Dinosaur Invasion, the cover of that has a pterodactyl that appears to be attacking the third Doctor. And the the noise that come, that it's make it's a uh, they call that an onomatopoeia. It's mm-hmm. clack, and that's how it's spelled out. And I think that's always been kind of a a uh, thing that fans have always pointed out, thought was funny. And I think that was that's where that uh, comes from. <laughs> it's in that font face and everything. Nice. Of course, uh, lo- lo- looking at the previews is just a great big wow. I wish I hadn't gotten rid of my novelizations <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about you but mine not all of mine but the ones that I did have um, the covers were different here because they had another it wasn't uh, Target releasing them here they were the same books but it was another company that released a bunch of them here and I the, my covers were completely different I can't remember the name of the company but yeah <laughs> I seem to remember that uh, when I first found them at um, the local comic book shop, they were Target, but then I saw them other places that were not. Well, I think some comic book stores here got imports, and so you would have got the UK color yeah. covers. But uh, 
Well, then we got a Target store, and I was super excited because it was like, oh, it's the company that does the Doctor <laughs> Who books. And no, 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 it wasn't. Pinnacle. Pinnacle Books is who published a lot of the ones here. That makes sense. They did the, uh, or no, it's, I'm thinking of Panini. Never mind. <laughs> Pinnacle, Panini, too many peas. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, no. What else do we have news? Well, speaking of Candy Jar, uh, they have announced the next book in the series of Lethbridge Stewart novels, the second novel in the eighth series, to be precise, Fear Frequency by George Ivanoff. So, series eight is Lethbridge Stewart year two. <laughs> <laughs> finally, we're finally into the second year. <laughs> finally into the second year. Got there the, uh, was that uh, the, the long way around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the very long yeah. way around. Uh, Fear Frequency is uh, the first Lethbridge Stewart novel written by a popular Australian author, George Ivanov, who previously wrote a short story for the Laughing Gnome anthology. And if you go online, there's a blurb you can read. It's kind of exciting that they're returning back to the core timeline. Yeah, I would agree. ever forward to unit. I would agree. It was it was kind of neat to to do the step away and, and the Laughing Gnome stuff, which we do plan to finish up that series. Um but yeah, it'll be nice to see him go back to some of the core issues at hand. Cool. What else? Well, transitioning to current units, Big Finish has announced the next volume called Nemesis, which will feature the Ice Warriors along with the 1970s era Harry Sullivan, which will be played by Christopher Naylor. That's exciting. I don't think we've had any Harry Sullivan in audio yet, right? I'm not sure if we have. I'd have to look it up. I don't believe we have. <laughs> we personally have. Well, no. no, we for sure haven't because I don't recall any. But uh, I didn't know if uh, Big Finish had done anything with Harry Sullivan. That'll be cool. The, I'm, uh, I'm kind of glad. Of, the producers of this call Unit Nemesis is like Unit's version of the Avengers Assemble. Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a conglomeration of, I think, a lot of the unit stories that have happened so far. And it's going to lay the groundwork for all the unit stories going forward. So oh. it's a big tentpole thing. Okay. Sort of bridging the uh, bridging the gap between the eras. It looks like it. That's neat. We can't jump into that one right away is what you're telling me. No, you gotta, we got to step through. Oh, <laughs> uh, rats. Uh, what else? And they've announced details on... The Last Centurion, Rory Williams' audio stories. This first volume will be three stories jumping through time as he's trying to find the Pandorica because he's lost it. Yeah, I did. Which I think they announced that they had Rory, uh, they had uh, Arthur Darvel for The Last Centurion, but we didn't have any details about it yeah, now, so is, now there's all sorts the of details. details. Coming out, yeah. I did like the blurb. Legend tells of the lone centurion, a mysterious figure dressed in a Roman as a Roman soldier who stood guard over the Pandorica, warning of those who would attempt to open it, a constant warrior whose story appeared in the folk history of dozen of a dozen civilizations. Only he seems to have misplaced it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like this first set is set in Rome. I'm wondering if maybe each box set's gonna have a have a location specific thing too, so I bet a location and time specific. Yeah, I bet you're right. That's neat. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm glad for, that they're yeah. kind of branching out and doing, uh, you know, some uh, expand. I mean, we've do, we've gotten the River Song stuff and things like that, but it's kind of nice to see them to continue expand some of the new series arcs and, and 
gives some other uh, actors an opportunity to revisit their characters. I go back and forth between trying to decide if this is the, uh, the, the that scraping noise that you hear is the bottom of the barrel being reached. But then, oh, you, oh. you actually have Arthur Darvel. Yeah, okay, I'm all right with it. <laughs> That's rude. I don't feel that way about this one. The Tales from New Earth kind of felt that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, you, let's be honest. I mean, we, we all love Big Finish. We all love Doctor Who. We all love the side trips into these various characters. But I think we can also all agree that not every single one of these side trips has been overly stellar and probably necessary. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but I like Rory Williams, and I like Arthur Darvel, so I'm on board with this one. Some things are going to hit people's mountains better than others. That's exactly right. I think as long as they have an audience for it, they should do whatever they can to get to reach that audience. And I think all what it does, especially nowadays, where this is something that these actors can do, where they're all in lockdown now or have been in lockdown, and so a lot of this gives them an opportunity to do some uh, work too that they probably weren't doing for the last twelve months. So I kudos to Big Finish for finding a way to continue this and give these give these actors some work some things to do and hopefully turn out Very some true. good product is that it in the news that's it for the news all right well should we move on to our reviews full fathom five welcome to the deep sea energy exploration project general flint you won't regret coming here i hope not professor volmer so this is the D-E-E-P that eats so much of my R&D budget, huh? That whole area of the seabed will still be contaminated by radiation, even after nearly 30 years. If it's so dangerous, why are you going? I'm going for you, Ruth. I shared my hopes and fears with you, things I couldn't tell anyone else. And this is how you repay me, with betrayal, going behind my back, diverting money from my funding for this, this freak show. Oh, my God, it's a baby! What is this place? It's a horror show. An exhibition of atrocities, all in the name of science. Oh, you're not going to the seabed in that rust bucket, are you? Hey! My Neptune is the fastest commercial mini-sub on this coast. The Neptune? <laughs> How original. Wouldn't the Titanic be more appropriate? Uh, have you ever uh, thought of taking up smuggling, Doctor? If I told you, I'd have to kill you. Who the hell are you? Smith. Dr. John Smith. But everyone just calls me the Doctor. I've come to save the day. Uh... Yeah, we we always wait for Sean to rate it. <laughs> you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start off this week. I really like this audio. I like that um, it gives us a different, a real different spin on the Doctor um, as it touts yeah. through, through much of the story. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the the means justifying the ends, and the question about actually what it does really well is it makes us realize what the doctor could be if he weren't railed in by either himself or the companions he travels with. And I think that this story has shades of time Lord, time Lord victorious and has shames uh, shades of, you know, an, an unchecked doctor sort of doing what he thinks is ne- almost, almost playing God, almost making the decision that, you know, 
life and death decisions in a different way than the doctors always had to to do in the past and i like that they explored this i like that the uh the the actor that plays the doctor david collins i think does an, an amazing job uh as the doctor and really sells the the dilemmas that he continues to to go down uh having uh to um you know the promise that he made to uh the professor uh, to watch over his daughter, you know, and just that the revelations of how this thing played out, I think structurally it's really neat because it bounces between uh, present day and, you know, 27 years ago at what happened. And I like how it kind of unfolds the pieces of the of the uh, mystery or un- unfolds the pieces of the story as we go along. And I think it's structurally, I think it's done really, really well. This one, I think, I think a solid uh, story, too. Yeah, this is the first one too that I think is is uh, unlike the two previous stories. It's kind of ambiguous where this doctor uh, fits in any sort of uh, continuity as far as as a uh, not continuity, but in, in uh, line of you know regenerations of doctors. Other than the end. Well, no, well, we don't even know that. <laughs> it's a, it's implied that this that was the last regeneration they got to experience any much of anything well yeah no i yes i see the way, what you're saying the, yes. the way the way it's yeah, implied we is we don't know how many times we don't have we have yeah. no idea how many which i like that they left it ambiguous of how many more she had to shoot and kill <laughs> yeah what an ending too it was it was, it was really good uh, yeah, as, as Keith said, it's an amazing story. I think it's it's really enjoyable. It's not one that I could revisit. It's not a Doctor Who. It's not a Doctor that I am comfortable having a range of stories with. But I think as a one-off story, it's done really well. Yeah, it's unlike the other two where it was, what if the Doctor didn't do this? Or what if the Doctor did this instead? Or what if this happened? This is more, what if the Doctor has a different moral code? And so it prevents a completely different story. And while it's a very good and interesting story, it's not as much fun to listen to. Yeah. It's a bit uncomfortable at times. Yeah, it's it's and it, and it's very it's a very thought through, very well solid story. It's just you know, ooh, that's not my doctor. Ooh, what's he doing? What's no no? That's not how the doctor is. It's just one of those sort of situations. Yeah, he's almost more master like than doctor like. Yeah, very much so. It's very much a uh, because of the 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 flip, and you realize kind of how narrow the gray area is within the doctor's moral code that this is right and this is wrong and we've kind of always accepted that on faith with any version of the doctor and presenting a story where no this is okay now where you know have i that right yeah you do because it's for the greater good and not needing the the cheerleading from the sidelines yeah it's such a very strikingly different approach for the doctor and it's a sucker punch because you kind of get lulled into it you we're 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 told right up front that you know i mean that's the tagline what what if the uh, the ends justify the means and then that becomes this recurring theme and once you find out the first incident and oh oh okay we're gonna go there with it 
then all of a sudden you've lost your footing because this doctor that, well, it's the doctor, right? But it's not. And now you don't know if you can trust him and you don't know if you should root for him. Well, and you don't it, know. Uh, if, to be and, fair, it's the doctor. It's just not the doctor we know in the prime universe. Very true. Very true. <laughs> so it, it becomes such a different animal that as the story progresses and gets darker that, you know, and his, his motivations for doing things are still guided by that principle of, well, it's for the greater good, which I don't know that I disagree with the, 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 you know, the thought process behind that, but I definitely don't know that I agree with the, hmm, <laughs> the methods of, of how to reach that. Now, in fairness, I could very easily see several doctors kind of towing that line. Yeah. But I also think especially that now in many situations, the actual decision-making is taken out of their hands because of the circumstances of the story. Yes. The I writers agree. will frequently kill somebody off or the mutation has gone too far and then it dies or the, you know, whatever the contrivance of the television episode in particular happened to be, the doctor never really has to face that decision. Yeah. Not very frequently anyway. Right. Um, and, and a lot of times it winds up becoming a, uh, deuce ex machina to get out of it. Right. So it, it, it's a very interesting character study to kind of take, even though, you know, again, they let us know right up front, this isn't your doctor. Right. But the minute somebody walks into the room and says, well, I'm the doctor, I'm on board with it going, okay, what are we going to do today, doc? I mean, I just kind of, you know, that's how this thing works. And so to take that and twist it like this, yeah. Well, also, it really is a fascinating story, but like well, he said. I didn't find it terribly enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think it, it's it's well suited as the third story in this series because we do we get comfortable with a alternate universe doctor for the first stories, but he's still inherently shades of the doctor we know. And so we go into this really comfortable and familiar in a way, only to be kind of blindsided by the the, the style of story, the style of character that's developed here which I thought was neat. Yeah, very much. So. And as you said, it's structurally so well put together that you get the little pieces here and there and the, the flipping back and forth. And a lot of times I'm annoyed by that, but for some reason, the, the way the mystery elements were played out here, uh, it, it just, it, it really worked for, for confines of the story. Well, and sometimes when it's, when I get frustrated by it is when it's not done well, and this is done well and is very clear when we're going back and forth to and from mm -hmm. and when the transition's happening. Yeah. It's when you don't yeah. know those transitions and you're trying to find your footing of what they're, what are they talking about is when it gets, uh, when it's not done well. And this, they did it perfectly with tr sound effects to transition back and forth and making it clear when we are. Well, there's a, there's a certain amount of timing, too, in it. They don't spend too much time in either era, and I think that's what makes it work, too, because you kind of start to sense when we're going to uh, shift into the, the storytelling from the past and then back to the storytelling of the future. So I think pacing-wise, it's done really well. Yeah, I would agree. Did anybody, or was it just me, that thought that uh, the the monster at the end was going to be her father, Professor Volmer and not General Flint. Did anybody think that that catch anybody by oh, surprise? Yeah. I, I totally thought it was going to be her dad. Yeah. Cause truthfully the spoke. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause when, then it once, definitely once it sounds spoke, like Flint. And she, yeah. Yeah. And, and she's sitting there going, dad, dad. And I'm like, 
Oh, come on. That's the general. <laughs> well, but again, she wasn't around the first time. Exactly. So. She wouldn't have been familiar with him. And, and after hearing the doctor explain the story about what had happened to her father, so I think she's just rightfully right to assume that, that this is who it is. Um, but yeah, it, it uh, uh, as soon as I heard the voice, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't who I thought it was. Course, we find out later it couldn't be because the doctor had offed him in 20 uh, right earlier, so yeah. Which did anybody good. did anybody question what the you know, as the doctor kept repeating the ends justify the means, uh, you know, it's for the greater good, blah blah blah. And did, did anybody worry how are you going to get Ruth out of there if there can be no witnesses? Because I, I found myself thinking that throughout the story. That if, if this is the line, if this is where you go, we can't have anything here from this point further. And he tried so hard to get her not to come down. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so that, that kind of hung <laughs> over me through the whole thing. I just kind of kept waiting for that shoe to drop that he was going to turn on her. Yeah. I, couldn't, I sort of thought the same thing, too. Um, but... I, I, I suppose it gave me false hope that I thought that there would be a way for them to be able to resolve it without him having to, you know, take her out as well. So I think I had that false hope and I didn't really think about, oh gosh, he's going to kill her, he's going to kill her. I kept thinking, oh, they're going to, what are they going to do to not allow that to happen? And then to kind of turn it and have her be the one that, that you know, becomes the, the, judge and executioner i thought that was <laughs> that was a neat twist too i didn't see that coming yeah, yeah very much so well there's a lot of good twists and turns in, in it when you don't really f quite realize what the what if situation was going into the story yeah that's true which i didn't i didn't know that it was going to be what if you know the ends justified the means or you know he was okay with killing or whatever you want to however you want to phrase it so going through a lot of these twists and turns, I was right along with the story. I had no idea that they were coming. Well, good performances all the way through it too. Yeah, I, I enjoy the performances. I um, I don't know. I kind of I don't know if anybody else picked up on this. For me, it it felt like a variant of the Third Doctor, which I know that we've you know technically had the uh, the David Warner <laughs> Third Doctor. Mm -hmm. But it, it just, you know, it's unbound, everything. all the, no, no, Nothing says these are canonical in any way, shape, or form with each other. So, But just the, the, the way that the cadence and the rhythm of, of the actor's speech, the way he delivered lines, the fact that we were on Earth with this undersea thing, I kind of actually thought maybe the, the, the sea devils would show up at some point. Cause it, it just had that kind of vibe to it. And then uh, specifically the bit about, well, the, the TARDIS has been down here for 30 years. Yeah. And then he's been stuck. I thought, oh, okay, so we're kind of doing the stranded on Earth doctor. Yeah. I sort I don't of know if got, anybody else felt that way. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, and and uh, mostly on hindsight, but I think also what leads to it is the fact that he's been sort of uh, watching over her and sort of has, uh, you know, an, an older uncle or a grand or a, a fatherly or father figure, which I kind of feel uh, Pertwee's doctor sort of had an air about him of, of the same. So I can see where that would be another parallel. Very much him and Joe yeah. kind of the same dynamic until she, you know, tagged along then. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That ending though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
David Collins. I didn't know this until I was looking at the TARDIS wiki, but he was modern in Modern Undead. He also had parts in uh, Attack of the Cybermen. He was the uh, Revenge of the Cybermen. Or, I'm sorry, Revenge of the Cybermen. He was the leader of the Guardians on Volga, uh, Voris. Yeah, and then uh, he was Andrew Paul in Robots of Death as well. And he re- revised, revised, returned to the role in the audio stories that they did. Yeah, and unfortunately passed away back in March of uh, 2020. Yeah, it was just recently. I think I also read that. Um, the guy that voices the regenerated doctor ian brooker he 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 brags that he's probably the only he's the actor that is uh had the shortest uh stint as a doctor Doctor (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty short although i think some from curse of fatal death might have just as short Uh, i don't know i think this one's i think this one's even shorter to be honest (laughs) Uh, one line and gone is 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 pretty pdq right, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i guess you, ha- you you have to you have to claim that right i mean it's kind of like yeah i'm the shortest lived incarnation <laughs> uh he was the guy that voiced the new doctor is was actually uh cirrus in uh Aldma- Ald Mortality as well which was the elephant that we talked about sounding like uh, Ryan <laughs> blessed last week so <laughs> Same actor. It definitely did not this time. Yeah, no. <laughs> Should we move on to He Jests at Scars? Is it a crime to play with time? They say that the thing about meddling with it is that one moment something is real, the next it's been erased. Probability becomes just a possibility. Established truth becomes a theoretical falsehood. Like dominoes, as one timeline falls, the others come cascading down around it. You can engineer new timelines, new possibilities, but before long, the distinction between what is, what was, what might be, and what never can be, becomes blurred. Out of this grow myths, lies, and legends. The Doctor was one such legend, but no one knows whether he truly ever existed. Well, not now they don't. I've rather made sure of that. So yes, one might say it is a crime to play with time. The old justice that examines all offenders. But you see, I don't care. Not one little bit. You could even go as far as to say that this time, the crime really was in being there. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) Keith, I'm you surprised start? it's not a bigger one. I like this one a lot. Did you? I did. I think part of it, my enjoyment of it, is Michael Jason's performance is just absolutely phenomenal throughout the entire thing. He is just so captivating as the Valiard, um, trying to, you know, wreak havoc and then undo his havoc was just an absolute joy to listen to. I did have some troubles following it at times, especially the stuff with Mel considering this is an instance where it's jumping over through time but doesn't quite give us any instance of oh we're doing different time period here or there what's going on but then once you get to the end of it it all makes sense so right. uh, just the idea of this Mel that's been tasked with it by the time lords to try to go kill a valyard because he won instead of the doctor it just such a cool idea of a story 
and I think it's very well executed. I really enjoyed it the entire time. Yeah, I think for the, I think for the same reasons that I did like it was the performances. I thought he, uh, both uh, Michael Jason or the man who once shared a restroom st- schedule with me, um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I <laughs> Bonnie Langford. Uh, I'm gonna have to for new viewers or listeners. I'm gonna have to explain that, aren't I? Um, and and I think Bonnie Langford did a, a fantastic job. In fact, all the performances that I would agree were were good. Um, I like the interweaving of the Valyard story in this, and the what if the the, you know, the Valyard had actually won in the battle with the Sixth Doctor in the Matrix. Um, I think the th- reason that this falls on the other side of I'm not sure that I liked it so much is I think there's a lot it's I think it's a little convoluted I think that there's a heavy reliance on Doctor Who lore for one thing from the novel ranges that we're not familiar enough with so that might be where Mm -hmm. it it, it falls down it does have you know obviously some nods to the series uh, dropping you know Legopolis as a a storyline um, the Doomsday Weapon from Colony in Space uh, we're familiar with. But there's a lot of stuff that I had to look into later um, that apparently uh, Gary Russell, who wrote this, he also wrote uh, a lot of books and he borrowed from uh, past stuff that he had written. And so I think that led to some of the confusion because I, I felt like I needed to know maybe a little bit more or or felt like I needed to connect a little bit more with the things that they were, they were paralleling um, to the changes that had been made. Um, I think the end gets a little muddled in its kind of high minded uh, conclusion. I think that it would have served better to simplify it a little bit. Um, but I do like the fact that, that the value is, is kind of brought on his own demise Um in making the the calculated mistakes that he makes, so I thought it it, it ends appropriately. I don't know that you, I would have done it any differently, but it also gets wrapped up in itself as being too clever for where it went, and and the results of it I think are are a bit muddled. But I, I'm I'm on the fence. I, I I really liked it for the performances, but there were just times that I felt like the plot suffered for being too kind of sporadic and, and this one, unlike the last one, when there were jumps in the, the story, it served well in making you feel at ease and uncomfortable because he was unraveling the web of time. But on the flip side, that led to a lot of the confusion of, okay, well, where are we now? What Mel, you know, she shows up with th- based on the time ring in that little prison center on Chronopolis and then later we have her showing up on the that freighter ship and i think the ideal was that it was these two different web of time blips but it isn't presented well enough that it took me a little while to kind of process it and go okay i think this is what happened and i don't think the story should make you go i think this is what happened i think it should be at least uh, obvious, obvious enough that that is what happened. So that I think was where I struggled. Yeah, I struggled with a lot of that too. And it might wind up being one of those stories where 
you have to go back and listen to it again to fully, you know, catch everything and understand how all the pieces fit together. Yeah. I think it is one of the ones that I would, wouldn't mind going back and reading the, the source material from Gary Russell's previous stories. Um, and then re-listen to this so that I do feel like I have more of that connection. The other thing that bothered me too is Ellie, she keeps calling him the doctor uh, mistakenly and him correcting her that he's the value already no longer the doctor. But I got the impression from the story that they met when he was already the value art, so I don't understand why she would have had that necessity to call him the doctor or accidentally call him the doctor because she never really knew him as the doctor. Yeah, that's a good point. I it, kind of bumped I on agree. that too. That, that was a big uh, you know, plot contrivance, you know, pretty much solely so that you can give Michael Jason the fantastic... How many times do I have to tell you? I'm the value. You know, yeah. you're doing audio. So in some ways it's, it is a bit stage. It's a bit over the top pantomime almost at times. And, um, you know, vaudevillian and getting Michael Jason to do that is just, okay. Yeah. But then once you put it in the confines of the rest of the story, it doesn't make a lick of sense right. unless the time has already unraveled at that point, but he hasn't done anything to cause that to unravel other than, you know, beating the sixth doctor in the matrix. Um, I, the, the, the strictly comes from Michael Jason. Yeah. It was such a joy to hear him. And, uh, really, I mean, he just seemed to relish getting his mouth around the dialogue and, and delivering it. And is, it is such a, an amazing performance. Uh, and so that, that very much fed the nostalgia factor of, yes, this is so great because I think the value art is such a cool idea that we just didn't get enough of. Unfortunately, um, this is one of those great ideas poorly told yeah. where the, 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 the construct of the story for me didn't work like Glenn. I got confused anytime they would flip back and forth, uh, with Mel and, it, you know, I, I, you know, cause we, we leave her, especially the one where we leave her, where she's leading the revolt against the prisoners or against the prison guards. And then the next moment she wakes up and she's on a spaceship traveling to the Citadel. It's like, so did you win? <laughs> I mean, was, what happened? And we just kind of have to leave it off and go, eh, it's a different timeline or a different thing. Or maybe those two events are connected together in the same event or not. Mm -hmm. Anytime you unravel time and you start to play around with the conventions of it, that's fine. Unfortunately, your readers, we are still linear monkeys, right? <laughs> you you, you kind of have to give us things in a certain order and you can jumble up that order as long as you, you know, tie it all in at the end and it suddenly makes sense again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this had so much exposition trying to tie up the loose ends at the end that that fell apart for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was, it was just a kind of a matter of, uh, ah, yeah, there was, there was just, there was a lot going on, but it didn't, it didn't really gel all that well. And then once you start picking at those th kinds of threads structurally, then the plot itself becomes suspect like you, Glenn, I, I didn't know half these references and the first couple I was struggling to recall well was that a, you know because once you throw legopolis in there it's like okay well that's a specific episode event mm -hmm. but right. then you would give me two or three more that i couldn't place for the life of me so i either have to assume that you're borrowing them from something else that i'm just not familiar with and kind of write off that exercise of you know i'm not going to get the uh, uh the fan moment 
because I, it's not something I recognize, or you're making something up now, which is kind of where I fell. It's like, well, if it's from somewhere great, if not, oh, well, it's just, it's an adventure they had once upon a time. And that's kind of where everything else, you know, laid down for me. Yeah. And if it's just a dropped name here, or there or a planet or something like that. Okay. But if you kind of work some of those events into the, the thread of the story where they do become slightly more important, well, okay. Now there's another, you know, another cog in the wheel that just doesn't spin right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, both, like I said, both, uh, uh, Bonnie Langford and, uh, Michael Jason, fantastic. It just, that was, that was cool. That was a lot of fun to have that. Cause I went into this one blind. I had no idea. Actually the last two, I didn't really know anything about what they were actually about. I was just, it's a different doctor. Okay, go. <laughs> oh, oh, it's the, oh, unbound indeed. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, um, and again, you want to talk dark, <laughs> I'm going to stab my companion. I'm going to blow up this planet. I'm going to do that. Although he, he, I don't know. Was I the only one that felt that he really was not a very efficient bad guy? He Once wasn't. he starts, he, it, <laughs> once oh, you no. start to cause your own demise. Well, that's just it. He he devolves. <laughs> he, he starts out as this really kind of, it, it does start out as a very powerful villain, but he devolves into a risky gambler by the end. And that I think I didn't like as well because well, I think, again, I don't know how it would have done any different because I think the story drives to where it needs to go, but it does. It's like I, I kept thinking, well, that you're just you should know better than this, especially if you have any of the recall knowledge of the pre your previous selves. You should know that there's going to be a lot of these fixed points that you and, and crossing your own timeline is going to be very detrimental. I will be the most powerful being in the universe. Wait, have you been on this planet before? Why can't I remember <laughs> things? Dude, you suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His performance at the very end when he's cowering in his TARDIS, though, yeah. just that turn was so phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. He handles he handles every range of, of that character that's given to him really well. Really, really well. I guess uh, Ellie Martin, the his uh, de facto companion in this, uh, she all the actual the character in the Prime Universe is featured in Big Finish's Sarah Jane Smith audios. So, hmm. we'll be reintroduced to her at some point. Yeah, it, 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 it was it was it was good, but but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm glad I listened to it. I and I'm listening on to, or with uh, Keith too on the the idea that I think revisiting it down the line, but especially too. Yeah, especially when there's more, uh, when I've got more background on the things that it references, I think it'll be a lot more enjoyable. Anything else on this one? All right, Sean, well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? If you're enjoying our journey through Unbound Doctors, uh, buckle up because uh, we got more. Uh, next week on the cast, we will take a look at Unbound number five, Deadline by Robert Sherman, and number six, Exiles by Nicholas Briggs. All right. Uh, uh, if you uh, like what we're doing and you want to keep following us, be sure to go to our website, travelthevortex.com. You can uh, get updates there on the podcast, and uh, you can continue to follow along with what we're doing. If you want to listen ahead and uh, or read ahead or whatever we're doing, uh, Sean keeps us updated there with our schedule. Uh, if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it by clicking on that patron link if you're there consider supporting us 
Also consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. It especially helps bumping us up in the ratings and recommendations. Uh, And then uh, make sure you join our conversations in our listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else that we need to uh, touch on before we close this one? Just to note that you can now find us on Spotify if you didn't know that. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.